0: Students Who Design is a podcast and video series that bridges students and the design industry. By students, for students. Be sure to check out our website, studentswho.design. This is Students Who Design. Today, we'll be talking to Andrew Aquino. He studied computer science at Cornell University, but now works as a product designer at Facebook. In this episode, we'll cover teaching a design class, building a design community at your school, and so much more. We hope you enjoy the episode. Students Who Design is sponsored in part by Facebook Design. For more resources and information about designing at Facebook, visit facebook.design, and check out open roles at facebook.com slash careers. Hi, Andrew. Welcome to the show. First off, we'd like to introduce what school you graduated from, your major, and where you're working next.
1: Awesome. And thanks for having me, by the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I graduated as a computer science major from Cornell University, Um, and up next I'll be working at Facebook. Uh, as a product designer
0: cool can you describe uh, your path through product design
1: yeah so um, uh, you know a bit of orthodox but uh, I, w- I started out really liking graphic design and art um, did 99 designs for a bit throughout high school I wanted to be an architect but ultimately due to like cultural pressures mm-hmm. uh, I was kind of pushed to engineering uh, when I got to Cornell University I didn't really know what I wanted to pursue um, I wanted to do civil engineering because it was like Tangential to architecture, but I didn't really know like what it was all about. Ultimately, decided that anything related to physics, chemistry, so right. anything engineering, yeah, right. so anything yeah. of like the hard sciences, I just could not do. So it kind of pushed me to computer science, or just more uh, within like the internet space mm-hmm. and something that I kind of like, kind of enjoyed doing. If you know HTML and CSS is still like fully under that umbrella, yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I started doing CS work. Ultimately realized I wasn't that great at coding in general so you're not
0: good at your major and you don't like engineering
1: right yeah nice. so I wasn't really good at a lot of those things and you know during my sophomore year where everyone's on the internship season hunt uh, like I had a, a lot of trouble like finding my first job um, but luckily you know a semester before um, you know early sophomore year um, I was still doing like graphic design on the side just for like extra money and uh, I had one UI job for like a friend who was doing a startup and you know, I think that role, like one like helped me build up one piece. That was kind of like within digital products. And also he was my first connection to um uh, they had a speaker at one of their club events and he gave me like a contact uh for um for BuzzFeed. Uh so and it was you said BuzzFeed? Yeah, BuzzFeed. Okay. And um it was for the VP of design at the time. And I just like emailed them uh saying that I was interested in this role, and didn't really know what it was, and eventually got my first internship. Cool. So,
0: Do you think uh, you being in an engineering college and studying a technical degree helped or detracted you in the field? Because I'm sure there's students who may be in similar situations but want to get into the creative industry.
1: Yeah, so you know, I think it did, it did both. Um, one, it helped, like, it helped me in that I felt like I was a diverse candidate, like mm-hmm. I wasn't from like an art school. Um, had a completely different major so it was a whole different skill set and you know that's good but that's only beneficial to some degree. Mm -hmm. I think the real value came from uh, being relevant for like building digital products or working with engineers and being able to talk about specific like developer issues or like you know programming like problems with them Um, instead of like sitting out from the conversation was really beneficial. But I think the most important aspect of that was empathizing with like those developers too, where it's not like like you just understand like what work they're doing. It's more about like really feeling, you know, the hardships of like having to execute a specific design. It might seem like a button for you, um, as a designer, but to them it could be like fiddling with so many things on the back end. Yeah, there's and, a,
0: a really good example of uh I think it was some business tool for some company where like they wanted to show what the remaining balance was, mm-hmm. and it seems very simple, right? You just subtract two numbers. <laughs> yeah, but right. But for engineering, it's like no, because currencies change every day. So, like we would have to know the global currency. Every oh, that's so day. interesting. Yeah. international product. Yeah. So I think knowing those constraints can definitely help, because then you don't go to engineering with these suggestions and not think about the implications.
1: Right, and then like you ultimately have to realize you have to include them in the conversation of like whether a design decision is something that is beneficial for both parties.
0: Mm-hmm. So. so I want to touch on your involvement at school. So you were the design lead for a couple of years for Cornell University Application Development, or right. CU Dev for short. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us more about this organization and how did it help you grow?
1: Yeah, so you know like the mission is twofold. Um, On the basic level, we're a team that wants to build digital products from like conception all the way to the App Store, um, specifically iOS products. And the other part to that where it's like um, as a team, we needed people to help build it, obviously, build and design and manage the workflow. And we realized that the school wasn't offering that pool of people to help us recruit to actually build these products. Like people didn't know how to do to so SWIFT programming or Objective-C, yeah. or people didn't know how to design a product or especially use Sketch for that matter. And you know, we created these courses to kind of educate that pole that we would eventually recruit from for our project team.
0: Got it. And so you um, also ha- taught a class within the organization mm-hmm. called Introduction to Digital Product Design. What was the uh, inspiration for that and what did the initial curriculum look like and how did it evolve into what it is today?
1: Yeah, you know, I think the inspiration comes from, uh, you know, as a design as a beginner designer, my first internship, you learn so much, you realize that there's something more to product design, especially within the tech space that you just don't learn at school mm. and I think you know me and Nicole, who I started the class with and also taught the class with, we realized there's just so much that we can talk about, and like one of that one of those things was like the process right like what is the design process? like how do you mm. get from conception to completion? Um, what are the steps to get there and like People follow a similar trajectory, and we basically abstracted that process into a 10-week course. Okay. Um, we, we like, you know, um, we made research one lecture, we made visual design another lecture, and stuff like that. So you
0: were, were you just teaching these topics independently, or was this like a project
1: that the students were working on throughout the course? Yeah, we actually originally tried to like do like one oh, okay. independent like uh, classes. Sure for everything? Yeah, but we ultimately felt like people needed to get something out of the course in a way that would be beneficial for their growth. And as in growth, like, it's their first internship and, you know, most new designers don't get the job or uh, get the internships because they don't have a case study. And that was kind of like the first problem that we were trying to tackle. Like, how do we get these people to actually get a case study that is not just a visual design refresh of an existing product? And um, that's kind of So what's like... the
0: difference between like a redesign and a case study?
1: Yeah, so like. Because um, we see both of them everywhere online. Yeah, right? we see both of them, and sometimes you see a redesigned case study, but then it's or more. Case like case study a... redesign. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it could be either or. But, um, you know, like. They both can exist in like the same project. But, like, what we see as a case study is um, basically a write up of a conception to completion that shows a thoughtful decision making process through each step of the way. And that could also mean showing all the bad solutions that you could have thought about that weren't validated to be in the final product. And that's kind of what we wanted to teach in the class. And the difference between that and like some redesigns is that um, some like and it's okay to do that. I think it's a great like exercise visually. Some people will say that a specific product doesn't look that great and will like change like the font. The font face, or like the letter spacing, or the line height, change like the colors a bit, add like drop shadows, and call it a redesign. We call it a redesign, In, in a, like, and it says it is, a, a, re- sense, I, it is I, a redesign. I, I, yeah. um, it's just like a different type of format of uh, skill building that mm-hmm. some people like. You know, it's very valuable to them, to people, for people who don't know how to use Sketch. It's great. Um, it's just that for a lot of product design companies, they want you know the former, like a full thought out case study.
0: So you mentioned that
1: there's solutions,
0: I'm assuming there's a problem that the students worked on mm-hmm. or work on throughout the 10 weeks. What are some examples of those problems? Is it like building an app from scratch? Is it working on something that's existing?
1: Yeah so um, y- even since the conception of the class we did focus on you know uh, there's uh, a model that we use uh, Clay, Cl- Clay Christensen's jobs to be done format where we say um, when there's a specific type of user who has a need, who wants to do something, but they can't do that well, and they list out the reasons why. Like that format we use to drive what a people problem is, and that's what we have the students start at. Um, in terms of like executing that solution, or even just like identifying that problem, the first iteration we had people just pick any problem in this space where people were like, Yeah, I can wake up in the morning, oh like I can't like char I can't. We can organize chores between like my groups of friends, and then like as a result they'll design an iOS app for it and the issue with that was like you might not even need an iOS app for that specific solution, and some yeah, and some yeah, of the things were just so marginally trivial at that at that point to really like govern a whole app to um, so the issue yeah. to solve the issue so um yeah, as a result, we kind of scoped that down to okay, so like we want people to at least design with context where it's like okay so if people are on their phone, would they actually use this app to actually solve this problem? And we figured the best place for them to learn those types of skills was like just using existing products that like you know that currently do solve problems for the user. Yeah. Um, That's
0: why they have millions of users. yeah, Yeah.
1: So um like we just wanted people to get that context. So like people were eventually solving problems within a specific product, and that was a constraint. So what's an
0: example of um, a problem within one of these mainstream apps that you're talking about? Yeah, like one
1: of the products, and I think this was from one of our best case studies, was like um, people um, want to know more about a specific uh, venue or restaurant, even in Instagram. Right? Mm-hmm. Where like people are just screenshotting pictures of food and sending them to their friends saying like we should go here and it'll take them a bit to kind of figure out where it is and yeah. like how to like access their website. So it's kind of like a fleshed out solution where it was like, okay, so here's this food. Can I now b- book a table? It's kind of on the business side. Um, and that was kind of like a really, really nice elegant solution for like getting people that extra step of acting on, mm-hmm. you know, the intentions that they were originally having anyway. So. For you, let's just build it off, building off that people mm-hmm. problem,
0: the research side, I'm assuming the students would research Instagram users or people who obs- are obsessed with food and all this, this stuff right, on right, Instagram. Yeah. From mm-hmm. a visual design perspective, you have to be consistent with Instagram. You can't, like, use your own type and your own colors. Yeah. And from a product perspective, staying within the Instagram application or ecosystem to reserve your table from a product perspective is generally better because then more users will stay on the right. Platform. Right, right. Uh-huh. So you're essentially attacking all of these areas through this class and through this case study
1: yeah and I I think that's the beauty of it where it's like um, you can't just design without context and like when people are realizing like okay so even if I'm putting this in Instagram it's still Instagram first right yeah. you can't like just make this entire product for your only, own like,
0: entry points or your own exit stuff or yeah yeah doing.
1: and like making it just for a, like, like maybe so I think there's some explorations where you can like reserve the chair within the feed, and it's like, well, mm-hmm, yeah. that kind of like might push away from like what Instagram essentially does. And understanding that, and having people think through that, and say, okay, you're right, or yeah, like this definitely isn't Instagram still, um, really help people understand product thinking. So cool.
0: And many um, students they don't go to design school. They want to get into this field, just like you did as yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think this organization really helped you do that. What would you recommend to students who may not have that same resource at their school or not that kind of support from their school? What can they do to start initiating programs like this?
1: Right, yeah, like, you know, so I think the first thing is, like, initiate a program where um, you can have people who want to build a product together. And if you have developers, that's great. Um, you know, even like theoretical conceptual ideas is also such a good practice to have. And if you do it with like other designers or other aspiring designers, I think it's like even better. Um, but if you don't have that kind of like network of people to kind of share that passion with, I think like you can find design, like not just within like digital products. Like I, you can even consider like planning marketing campaigns, like a design mm-hmm. project where, um, you're actually interviewing your audience and understanding what their needs are. So you
0: you could blow up, like let's say a club reaches out to you to make like a a quarter card or some uh emotional Facebook cover photo or something, right? You Mm -hmm. could blow that up into a little case study to try to achieve the most results. And you have metrics and you have research and you can essentially make this thing that you initially thought was just like a cool thing you made on Microsoft Word.
1: Yeah, and I think like the basis of like you know graphic design is information architecture, and that's really important still in digital products. And like just finding those types of experiences is super crucial. Like even like uh, reorganizing how you conduct recruitment for your club. Like there is a system that's in place mm-hmm. that that has users and they have an expected outcome. and like if they're not getting there, then how do you fix that? And like having that and being able to articulate that, write that up will really help you practice and like also might interest some recruiters if like you're conveying a specific you know product design thinking within that lens so so
0: before your first day at BuzzFeed I'm mm-hmm. sure you had to somehow there was some interview process or something right. right? Uh huh. so I think a lot of students there's always that question about that first internship and recruiting for the first time and interviewing for the first time so could you walk us through both your interviews at BuzzFeed and Facebook and, and I, I know they went well because you clearly worked <laughs> there but like what were some things that you that you did that you think helped you stand out?
1: Yeah, so we could separate them into, like, my first Buzzfeed interview was not, like, um, v- super prepped for. Like, I, I, I didn't know what product design was. I think they also asked me what the difference between product design and product management was. And I, just, I don't think I had a very good... <laughs> one draws and one writes. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I had a very good answer for that. Um, but, you know, I only had visual work. And I think what stood out for me in that specific process, especially as someone who didn't really know what he was getting into, was I was like conveying my solutions in a way that was a little bit thought out where I wasn't just thinking about the color usage and like <laughs> what looks good and what doesn't look good. I would say like, okay, we should add you know a meter here because it will give users a sense of who's going to a specific event it was like an event app and like Having these like this, like design decisions that stem specifically from behavioral psychology um, just super like, helped a lot because you know uh, most interviewers want intentionality. And I was like kind of wired to do that from the get-go just because I had like the skill sets that help like connect to that specific type of uh, dialogue that I was mm-hmm. having with them. Um, for my Facebook interview, I think it's like more different. I was a bit more prepared. Um, I, I knew what product design was. I did have, Um, the case study work and Mm -hmm. you know I think like the the theme still stays it was really about like how well you can communicate design decisions and being able to say like oh I did XYZ because it affected this specific metric or expected uh, affected this specific user and this is like why I think so and here's like the evidence to support that Um, and even like when they would like you know like have a a response to that or have like feedback to whatever I did saying like oh I think you could have done this it's like not just about defending your, your like your baby, right? It's yeah. really about taking that feedback and understanding, oh, like you, you, like it does make a lot of sense. And I can either like say that you're right, or that I think my solution is stronger. And like just like having that fluidity of choosing either or without feeling bad about it is like super powerful when you're getting into, um, you know, like larger tech companies where like. It's crucial for you to be social yeah. and crucial for you to like, communicate well so I think that's what really can help me stand out in those interviews
0: So many designers or many student designers going through are going through their first internship now right uh, and they may have never sat in a design critique right if they're not design school students and they're in this job. You know once a week or maybe bi-weekly there are critiques right could you walk us through some of the most memorable critique experiences (laughs) memorable in the sense where you got railed essentially and how did you handle that for the first time
1: okay so like i think my most notable critique experience was it was at buzzfeed and i remember you know like spending like two three weeks on a specific project Mm -hmm. and like um and then I went to critique like showing, okay, here's like my early work and here's like the intention behind it and like I remember the VP coming in at a time and he, he would he would like look at the work and and look at the original product that they were currently using and I showed like my redesign next to it and he'd be like, I think the like the product is doing exactly what it's intended to do. Like like why do, why is there a resource on this specific design job? And it, it was like not because like like it, it didn't he make a lot of sense. Trying to be degrading. Yeah, yeah. It, it made a lot of sense, right? It was like like this product affected maybe like 5 6 design uh, or like creatives in like another part of the, the like you know the org and I was doing a full redesign of this yeah. specific product. So it didn't make a lot of sense, but like it really got me to think like like oh shit, like you know, you do have to really think about the work that you're doing from like a lens where it's like is this even meaningful work like at all and like that part that in itself is like part of the design process right i'm thinking like is it worth it for me to spend my resources on this thing because like will it provide any like surmountable impact that you know can't be found anywhere else so um i think that was super Mm -hmm. um, life-changing for me because like you know i i just i used to just follow the book
0: yeah yeah and again many students in their first internship or maybe they're getting in they're recruiting right now and whatnot. they will have a manager during that time right and many students may have issues where they might not have that kind of rapport that they expect to have with their manager so Mm -hmm. what are some things that you can do in advance or throughout your internship to really build that relationship
1: yeah and I think you know the one thing that my Facebook manager got me to do um, Jeff uh, he had our first one-on-one with me and he asked me three things I really wanted to grow um, within this three months, and I think it was super helpful because I never really thought about it in those like three those like three pillars or um, like just like facets of being a product designer and I was like, okay, I think I'm, I'm bad in these three things. can you help me improve them? And every week he would like check whether or not I'm yeah. improving in those areas And at the end he would say like, okay, so you set out to do this. this was your expected outcome and here's where you lie on the spectrum of like actually achieving that goal. And I think that was super helpful because I don't think I would have worked as hard trying to fill in those gaps that I was having between mm-hmm. me um, and someone else who's a full-time designer.
0: And I think that really helps because then your manager knows what you want out of that experience yeah, uh-huh. rather than her or him trying to dig that out of you and then not getting it right and then you both get frustrated.
1: Yeah, and just like a podcast uh, that I listen to where it's like you need to help your manager become a good manager, yeah. right? And I think, like, you know, that, that really speaks to it, right? Where, like, manager's job is to make you do the best work that you can. And, like, if you're not conveying that to them, then they can't really help you. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not mind readers. So
0: so you also went through a full-time recruiting mm-hmm. season, or full-time design position recruiting season. Right, right. Um, if that, I don't know what that is, term <laughs> but something around there. Uh, can you take us through that experience, and what are the differences between going for a just straight up full-time role compared to internships and, or an intern role, and uh, what were some takeaways from that experience?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, the tough part was realizing that there's still more to learn, and I think um, a lot of that falls into the cultures of specific companies, and I, I got rejected from a bunch of companies, and I think all of them, like, most of, most of them rejected me, and, like, some of them were, like, for a different process fit, like, maybe I would do things differently because I, t- I was taught to do them yeah. differently, so um, uh, I think that's interesting. Where like that's something to consider for anyone going into recruitment is like, you know, you're never you're never going to get a clear statement on why you didn't get the job, and you know, a lot of recruiters have policies against that. Um, but you need to be flexible in understanding that cultures differ between orgs, and you need to do like research or really figure out how you're going to fit within that specific culture, mm-hmm. right? If it's for you to understand the mission more. Or use to, like interview previous product designers, or even to like listen like read their blog posts, listen to their content, like figure figure out what makes their product design team different, and actually cater yourself to that because like what because you want to like work yeah, well if you're with your interviewing the team, there,
0: right. then clearly that that's what they're expecting you that you're gonna spend 50 hours or 40 hours a week with us, so yeah. there has to be some sort of fit.
1: And there's some companies that are a bit more open about it, right? Like Facebook has their own like guide to their product design interview, and I'm sure other companies have their own like guide to the whiteboard challenge and like actually understanding those on a basic level like, really helps. Mm-hmm.
0: So we went ahead and polled all the student design communities that exist on Facebook, Medium, Twitter, and these are some of the questions and concerns that are on their mind. So our first question is, having the experience that you do, there must be some things that you feel like the industry doesn't quite understand about the, or doesn't quite get about the student design community. Can you speak a little about that?
1: Yeah, definitely. It might be a, a bit little, of a rant. Yeah, but um, I think like one issue to like really address is that if there's a gap between like what the industry thinks design is and what the students think design is and there's an issue that isn't really being addressed properly, right? So what do
0: you think students think design is and what do you think industry thinks design
1: is? Yeah, I think like you know, I it goes down to design education, right? When you have designers right now who are uploading very visual centric Pieces onto dribble and calling them case studies or redesigns or proper like, like, design executables right Mm -hmm. or deliverables, and like real designers are saying like oh well it's not really about that it's about the process and there's like no way to really like shrink that gap, and I think that's like where like the issue comes comes about right because like that happens a lot right for a lot of new designers you think it's more about visual work, Um, so I think like. If you think about like why that happens, it really digs down into the culture of what designers like, ha- like what cultures that designers tend to embody, or what the industry is like right now. And right now, I feel like like the, the core problem is that um, getting into a full time role or getting into the industry seems to be like a rite of passage where you you have to like struggle to get there. If you know and what I mean. Have to
0: know like the secrets that no one else.
1: Yeah, it's like to know. yeah, like every, like all of the new designers feel like. Um, or the full-time designers felt like they had to struggle and learn a lot and like make a lot of mistakes to get there and they think like that's like the path that everyone should take Um, you know and there are like so many other career career choices that don't follow that mental model right where like everything is laid out for them the academia is there um, you can get your first internship without really having that much experience Mm -hmm. and you use that to get that experience but when you go into design right the first internship they're requiring so much of you and there's no way for like, students to really understand where to get that experience. So I think like, the industry does a good job in like, being very open and like, sharing like, articles and podcasts yeah. about design, and I think that's great, but I think we're not really being direct about how we educate the new generation of designers so they can actually understand what this is all about. Um, so that's where I really stand for stand on So, that. Do you think
0: students just assume what's happening in the industry because like there are these you mentioned those podcasts and those articles that they do share about what's right. happening. yet for some reason, students, which is ironic because their students yeah. just don't understand what's being fed to them or yeah, wh- what what do you mean by that? Yeah,
1: so like I think it really has to do with like how we learn anyway, right? like mimicry. so um you know, like someone who doesn't really have a mentor who's in the industry or someone who's a part of that culture they're going to see all of the stuff that they post on dribble Behance, hands and what they're going to see is like very polished visual centric work right yeah but they're not really going to understand the, the process or the year-long process it took to get them from conception to completion and but what they're just mimicking is what they see and they're not really getting the mentorship that guides them like oh okay like that's not actually the full picture here's mm-hmm. a breakdown of what really happened and, like, you know, I guess the solution or semi solution is writing more case studies and more elaborate case studies. But even that is an abstraction of what actually, of what actually yeah. happens under the hood, right? Like, you know, you can't really condense what happens in six months in just a nine minute read. And I think, like, like how do we get like that full experience out to students so they understand what they actually need to do? The second question is so you have
0: so much to manage between school and life and just trying to be a full time designer while taking full-time load of classes how do you stay on top of everything
1: um so like I don't think I do mm-hmm. I think like I could have made a lot more sacrifices uh, I did have to balance a lot, a lot more sacrifices yeah like I had to balance a lot and I felt oh. like I was sacrificing like sleep like my social life um do you as think old... that
0: was healthy or would you do that again
1: uh you know it could go both ways sometimes I like to think it's a you know um like character building or something like that. Yeah. But in, in other scenarios, I felt like I could have spent a lot more time on myself and like things that made me happy. So.
0: so there's a lot of articles, blogs, newsletters, and just noise in the industry. And as a student designer, you feel like you have to read everything and listen to everything, or every day you should be on top of it all. Mm-hmm. So how do you filter out things that are good and content that's helpful versus things that are just noise?
1: Um, so I think like to spin like, that question, uh, I think what the industry does really well is like it kind of democratizes the voice where like now everyone from a junior to a senior designer can have a very valid opinion on a certain thing just because like the field is so new. So like I don't think there is really noise because I think any noise is good enough noise. Mm-hmm. So I think it's more about trying to get in all that noise and really deciding what's beneficial for someone's growth right If someone like has an article about a specific process that they're working on and you try to like, imitate that and see if it works for yourself. It's ultimately up to you to decide to keep that, right? And so I think... you should take in
0: everything and then pick and choose what you want to keep.
1: Yeah, I think like that's like the best way to go about improving yourself, right? Like there are small nuances that people are discovering and keeping to themselves, but there are some nuances that people are actually sharing to everyone. And it's like, it's up to you to kind of like figure out if you want to try that out. And I think that's a a great thing that the industry does, right? Because we're really like filling these small little you know, work gaps or work niches or work styles that um, people are discovering for themselves.
0: Do you have any mentors that you uh, follow or sought out to stay inspired or things that act like pseudo mentors, like resources or sites or places um, to keep you inspired and hungry to want to keep growing?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, a lot of my mentors came from the industry when I was like um, doing my internships. I think like those types of feedback when I was like there was really beneficial for like me starting out, and they will always stay with me. I think like nowadays, like since I'm like outside of work and like more like school, and now I'm on break. Uh, I think the peer relationships, the people like the people you have around you who are kind of in the same situation. Um, if you cultivate like a culture of just sharing content with each other and also getting feedback from each other, helping us do the interviews, and um, I think that's where the mentorship really comes. Like you can read articles all you want, and um, you know use like internet resources but like finding like a support group just it's just like immensely helpful and like I think that's like a great way to grow so
0: So as a design leader on campus um, at Cornell I'm sure people come up to you asking all the time how do I get into design so what are some pieces of immediate actionable advice that you would give to someone in a similar position who's listening or viewing right now
1: yeah so you know I get the question a lot and it's kind of hard because like our school doesn't really support like the design education that is expected of us at this at this moment in time, uh, and I think I I would always give a laundry list of things like here are the things that you should read, here are the things that you should do, and kind of doesn't resonate as much. Uh, it's because like Nima had different priorities, as well as like it could be just like an overload of information. Um, the one thing I think that is really helpful is like self awareness. I think once one once people understand um, if. once they understand if their work is not where it needs to be, so like understanding like, hey, um, my skill level is here. A full-time designer is about here. Mm -hmm. I want to get my first internship in about six months. So how do I get from here to here so I can get my first internship and get that experience, right? So I think that's the gap that people should focus on, is like, okay, so I need to grow. First, let me assess what needs to be grown, right? Like, What am I good at? What am I not good at? And how can I get there? And then figuring out like a plan, a contingency plan to actually get you for me to be. So you talked a lot about what
0: you've done and how you've gotten there. So what's next for you?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, I'll be at, uh, Facebook joining the C team for, you know, the next, however, so many years of my life. Um, <laughs> 10 years. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But, um, I think like what really, um, strikes me as important is, uh, you know, uh, I think I got to where I am today because of, uh, independent education or whatnot, or like Different, unorthodox approaches to like education, and I think like I want to be in that space where there is an issue with like information translation in any field, right? Like some people aren't getting like the right support to actually study for specific things to get specific degrees or certifications, and how can we make that better? And I think that's what uh, that's what I really want to get into um, after my ten or twenty years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. All right. Thank you so much. Students Who
0: Design is written and produced by Sahil Koja and Omar Abdul Rahim. Visit our website, studentswho.design, for more information.